Welcome to the Advent Sermons and Conversations podcast. This is the sermon half. The sermon was given by Pastor Danielle Miller on May 20th, 2018, Pentecost Sunday. You can find the readings for this week in the podcast description. The year is 1987. Gas is 89 cents a gallon. Jim Baker, the televangelist, falls from grace. The New York Giants win the Super Bowl and arguably the world's greatest film is created, The Princess Bride. (laughs) Love lost Sicilians and rodents of unusual size. I mean, who doesn't love swashbuckling and loves true kiss? True love's kiss, therefore is that. At one point, Wesley, the hero, is tortured to death on the pain machine and all hope seems lost. And they do turn the knob to 11 after all. His friends take him to their last possible hope, Miracle Max. Once Wesley is carried into the hut, Miracle Max and Inigo Montoya of the You Kill My Father, Prepare to Die persuasion have a little conversation. As Miracle Max inspects the body, he asks Montoya, he probably owes you money, huh? I'll ask him. To which Montoya obviously replies, he's dead, he can't talk. Look who knows so much, Miracle Max replies. It just so happens that your friend here is only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Mostly dead is slightly alive. With all dead, well, with all dead, there's only usually one thing you can do. Go through his clothes and look for loose change. Woo-hoo-hoo, look who knows so much. The year is 586 B.C. The Judeans are in exile. Jerusalem and the temple lay in ruins. Possible rebellion against Babylon thickens the air and arguably one of the world's greatest visions is granted to Ezekiel. He is brought to a vast barren valley, barren but for the bones. As far as the eye can see, they stretch in every direction. Femurs lying beside rib cages, half covered and half forgotten in shifting sands. Sightless eyes lay heavy in parched skulls while fingers reach to nowhere. There are no vultures circling this horror. The bones are too bleached, too dry, too picked clean to provide much to an enterprising scavenger. They lay there together side by side and yet apart, intimately naked and yet impersonal. And there Ezekiel stands, trying to catch his breath at the sight of such emptiness filled with finality. He tries to hold back the tide of powerlessness and desolation that sweeps through him, wave after wave, the only movement in the still, dry valley. In the middle of the shock and horror, amid the absoluteness of such a sight, God has the audacity to ask, mortal, can these bones live? And if they could, would these bones even want to? In a world that can leave the dead like this without care or burial to be decimated by the heat of the desert sun? Ezekiel, the prophet and man of faith, had seen enough carnage to last a lifetime. And then God comes in asking if these bones can live. Oh, Lord God, you know, is his response. 
This very well could be an expression of faith and affirmation, but as a former 13-year-old girl, I like to think my sarcasm meter is still pretty well attuned. The temple is gone. Jerusalem is no more. My people are scattered. My family and friends are dead. Can these bones live? Really? That's the question you want to ask me now? After everything I have been through, everything I have seen, oh Lord God, you know because I sure don't. Woo-hoo-hoo. Look who knows so much. God can ask the question because God sees the destruction and devastation and knows what we cannot begin to fathom. It just so happens that these here are only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Mostly dead is slightly alive and on God's watch there is only mostly dead because with God there is always a resurrection on the horizon. You don't believe these bones can live again, Ezekiel? I can understand why, but you're wrong. Prophecy to these bones and say to them, you dry, dead bones, hear the word of the Lord. You are not abandoned. I will breathe into you and you shall live. I will lay sinews and tenons on you and enfold you in flesh. I will make your heart beat and your lungs breathe and you will live and you will know that I am God. Tell these bones, Ezekiel, my truth, not yours. Not your absolutes of death and destruction, but my absolutes of me and all I can bring and do and the breath in me that animates and creates the life of you. Tell them that truth, Ezekiel. These bones shall live. The year is 2018. The average gas price is $2.92 per gallon. The United States government is cutting programs that help the poorest among us. 41 school shootings have occurred in America thus far. Royal weddings are apparently still a major draw, and environmental policies are being systematically gutted. For miles and miles, we stumble upon the bones of those who are neglected, hurting, and abandoned. As far as the eye can see, they stretch in every direction, malnourished femurs lying beside rib cages, half covered and half forgotten in shifting smog. Hungry eyes lay heavy in desperate skulls while fingers reach for help and grab nothing. There are vultures circling this horror. The bones are bleached, dry, picked clean, but to the enterprising scavenger, they are still used to some advantage. Surrounded by people day in and day out, side by side and yet apart, intimately naked and yet impersonal, oh mortal, Can these bones live? Oh God, you know, because we sure don't. It's easy to be overwhelmed by the heat of the dry valley. It's easy to feel powerless and desolate in the face of the mounting piles of bones. It is easy to be blinded by the sight of so many dead and dying. And then, even if for only a fraction of a moment, we remember. We remember that with God in the mix, it just so happens that these here, despite appearances, are only mostly dead. There's a big difference between mostly dead and all dead. Mostly dead is slightly alive. 
We are called, even when crushed under the weight of seeming absolutes, to stand in our own dryness and prophecy, to speak that word of healing, to look at what everyone else proclaims dead on arrival and declare instead a diagnosis of mostly dead, which means always open to God's breath, bringing in a new life, a new thing. We are called to speak God's truth and to assemble the bones. And in speaking God's truth, make way for the breath of God, the very spirit that is poured out on our daughters and sons, on all peoples, to speak the truth into living possibility. This is the spirit of Pentecost, the same rolling in of the Holy Ghost who comes alongside us. 580-ish years after Ezekiel's vision, we read that same life-giving spirit is poured out on all people, starting with folks from a multitude of nations gathered in Jerusalem. And they understand. They understand what, what each other is saying in their native tongues, in their own languages. They hear one another speaking about God's deeds of power. And in that very testimony, they continue, that is, God continues to prophesy through us to the bones. For it is the very Spirit of God that gives us flesh and life and meaning. And over 2,000 years later, we are tasked with the same vision and we are given the same Spirit through the power of God, that is, through the very breath of God to speak truth into being. And what does that look like? Like all the fruits of the Spirit, joy and peace, forbearance and forgiveness, like justice and resurrection, truth-telling, saying no to say yes, that is, it looks like love. It looks like people of faith being arrested for peaceful protests, demanding a ban on assault rifles. It looks like doctors wading into Gaza to treat their sisters and brothers who have been gunned down. It looks like people accompanying immigrants new to the community and protecting their inherent dignity. It looks like us, my dear friends. It looks like us, ordinary people of faith, flawed but trying, empowered by the Spirit to testify in word and action to God's extraordinary love and uncontained life. We as disciples and prophets live to proclaim something altogether peculiar. We preach to the almost dead and against all logic expect life. We discount the grave and the scatteredness of brokenness and see the wholeness of God. We trust that indeed these bones can, will, and shall live again. Trust in the wholeness of God. So can you feel it? On this hot and humid Sunday. Can you feel it inflating your lungs and lifting your hopes? Declaring presence and demanding notice. Because that's how it starts. When that still valley begins to swirl and sway, a fluttering flurry, a gentle gust, refreshing, reviving, whipping up into a wild wind, writhing and wrapping a blasting breeze of breath 
twisting and turning into a tempest, making straight what is crooked and alive what is dead, making us live again. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at adventnyc.org. Our services are 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. in English and 1230 in Spanish at 93rd and Broadway.